Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring jewels to become leaders by establishing partnerships with corporations, nonprofits, donors, sponsored volunteers, the community, and abroad. Join me. Every other Tuesday at BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max at noon. My special guest today is Mr. Alex Hanna, who is a writer behind the upcoming apocalyptic thriller, A Social Contract, starring Sean Astin. He's also created numerous short films, including the Sunscreen Film Festival selection, Lunacy, in addition to co owning his production company. The Chameleon Effect, with his creative partner, Luca Malacrino. Alex has also worked in development for the likes of Broad Green Pictures and VMI Worldwide, alongside co-managing Deadline Junkies, a professional screenwriting organization based in Los Angeles, California. At last, thank you for this interview, Chance, Mr. Hanno, and welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me, Pamela. This is wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I was like, did we lose you for a minute? So I am going to get no. right to it. <laughs> Alex, I've been reading about you. I've been to both of your websites. So I have a whole bunch of juicy questions here. So tell me. Love it. Love it. What inspired you to enter into the world of film writing? Well, uh, you know, it's it's a bit of a cliche answer, um, but uh, but it's got a bit of a twist. So I I always wanted to be a writer growing up. Um, you know, my my parents read to me, you know, every night, and I always thought I was going to be a novelist. That was kind of the dream. I was a big reader as a kid. I read a lot of fantasy. Um, and then when I got to college, I I started working at my my library on on campus, um, and I would rent movies at the library, um, instead of books. Uh, don't you know, kids go out go out there and read. Um, and I just consumed everything I could find in terms of film, and and I fell in love with film. And I happened to around the same time take a screenwriting class. Um, and my school was not a film school whatsoever. Uh, it was a liberal arts school, but I, I took a, free, a screenwriting class and it all clicked. I realized that was how I was always supposed to write. Um, and for those of you who don't know, screenwriting is a really structured format, but there was something really freeing about it for me because when you're looking at narrative writing, when you're looking at novels or short stories, um, there are no rules. You can do whatever you want. It can be as long or as short as you want. But with screenwriting, there are there are kind of bumpers. And for me, that was really freeing. And so I went on to start writing, and I, I very quickly directed a short film, um, which was no good. But, uh, you know, you learn so much from that. And for me, 
um, once I had done it once and saw literally my, my words come to life, you know, read aloud by actors and, and captured on film, it was absolutely infectious. And I just, I couldn't go back. And so I moved to LA and I've been, uh, been going after it ever since. Wow. Good for you. In your opinion, what is the most important quality of a film screenwriter? Um, you know, it's, it's tough to say just one, but, um, I would say diligence. Um, you know, I learned, it took me a little while to learn that if you are going to make it as a screenwriter, as your career, if it's more than just a hobby, um, at some point you need to treat it as a job. So what that means is carving out dedicated time to sit down and write. And you might not be in the mood to write. You might not be inspired. You might have had a bad day. You might be um, have writer's block, whatever it is, sitting down at the computer and taking that time and actually pushing forward and pushing through it. Um, and I think there are a lot of other qualities. You know, I'm a big Stephen King, uh, Stephen King fan, and yeah. uh, he talks about, um, you know, essentially that you can take a, a, a good writer and make them great, but you can't take a bad writer and make them good. And I do believe that. I think that you kind of need some sort of spark, some sort of, um, uh, you know, je ne sais quoi to, to actually get into it. Um, but once you do, I think there's so much that can be learned in terms of screenwriting. It's a really, um, like I said, it's structured and, and there's uh, a lot of formula to it. Um, so I think really it's just taking the time to, to sit down and do the work. Yeah, I do agree. You know, that's anything that we do. I mean, like me, I love mentoring. I love the leadership mm. position that I am in. I love making people happy and I love to see people grow. And I know that God put me in this position to be able to inspire and help others. So there's nothing that else that I would want to do, but do what I do. I love what I do. So if I had to stay up all night and do certain things, come up with some creative ideas on how I can turn a behavioral issue that someone has into a positive outcome, then I'm willing to do that. So you are absolutely right about that. So tell I me. I love that. <laughs> thank you. Tell me about the Deadline Junkie Screenwriting Organization. So yeah, Deadline Junkies has been around for I think going on 15 years, um, and it's a nonprofit organization um, in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, I've been a part of it for about five years, and it's a uh, it's a, a screenwriters group that welcomes any screenwriters, um, new or, or or you know longstanding. Uh, we now have five nights of the organization. I think it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Um, and essentially most of the nights are in person. So screenwriters come and they're on a rotation and they bring in their work. Um, and then we have actors read it aloud and their fellow writers who are on rotation, give them notes. And it's a wonderful experience. I'm a big proponent of uh, writers groups. I have talked to a couple of screenwriters who don't believe in them and I don't know why. Um, not only does it provide a community and a support network, which in any art, uh, you know, any art, artistic industry, whether it's film or, or you know, painting or, or theater or dance, there's a lot of people that want to say no. There's a lot of barriers to entry. So having a community that's going to support you, I think, is massively important. But on top of that, um, this is a group of professional writers. These are writers who uh, have mastered the craft. These are people who 
Um, whether they've made it or not, uh, are, are gunning for that and are shooting for that. And so getting that feedback, um, you know, essentially for free is, is a massive, massive benefit. Um, so I've been, I've been running uh, my Monday night group for, um, a couple of months now. I took over from a previous moderator, um, wonderful Michael Sagliano. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's just a really great supportive group of people. Um, and I welcome, you know, anyone to, to come and check it out. And I also, you know, if you're not uh, local to LA, go start a writer's group. That's, that's my biggest advice for, for writers who, who want to learn. Um, it can be tougher when you're not in LA or New York, but, um, nowadays there's a lot of resources online to, to do Zoom rooms. Um, and I just think it's super beneficial. Yeah. You know, I love the name Deadline Junkie. <laughs> Yeah, we have that name for a reason. You know, it's, uh, again, it goes back to doing the work and, and sometimes yeah. you can put it off, but having that deadline is, is really important to, to actually get, produce something. So. Yeah. So what do you look for in a script? Well, uh, I, you know, I'm primarily a writer director. Um, everything that I've produced, uh, has been my own material. So I'm not actively looking for, um, for other people's scripts per se. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I'm writing, what I try to, um, to find in my own work is, is something that I haven't seen before and something that I find, uh, but to be authentic. So if I don't achieve those two things, it's, it's not a win for me um, because I think there's there's a lot of fluff out there and there's a lot of stuff that we've already seen before. So I think the goal for me is always, okay, is this fresh? Is this a unique take? And is this something that people can actually relate to? Um, and if, if I, you know, can manage those two things, great. And I, and I think I do look for that in my, my peers writing when, you know, they come to me for notes. I mean, that's kind of one of my goals is, um, yeah, is to try to, to kind of give them notes on the same thing and say, Hey, you know, we're, you're, you're, a little off base here how can we make this a little bit more relatable or you know we've seen this before how can we take this and, and make it a little bit fresher a little bit more unique um but yeah that's that's uh that's kind of that's kind of what i'm looking for wow yeah so my next question would be how do you choose your star cast because like someone like me here i want to be in um you know i want to do a movie i want to you know participate in the movie and here I am with no skills now no skills mm. <laughs> but I may have that look I may have you know other things that you may be looking for so would I have any opportunity there or do you guys look for people who are already um you know have learned and um, you know models or extras or whatever and are you specifically talking in in the acting realm or yeah in the acting realm yes so you know i i'm a big believer in um kind of the the i don't know what you want to call it but the company model or the, the sort of like a, a theater troupe model the idea of using um recurring collaborators so in a lot of my work and people can see this i um i have cast and directed um you know Actors that I have grown to, to love in my community out here again and again and again. Now, having said that, um, sometimes you write a part and, and you don't know the person that is going to be able to fill it. You know, it might not be in your, your network. And so at that point, we go out and we cast. Um, personally, you know, I can only speak to my own experience. A lot of what I've done has been indie film and TV. Um, so we're not talking about big budget, you know, large studio um, uh, productions necessarily. 
Um, we're talking about smaller kind of production companies and smaller um, indie projects. And when I'm casting for those, generally, I'm looking for the person who is best for the role. And um, that might mean that you have no acting training um, or you have gobs of it, you know, years and years and years of it. Um, generally, it's the latter, um, just because, again, like writing, acting is a craft and you can learn and hone that. Um, but that's not to say I haven't cast people who are brand new to the business and just have a, a certain knack for it or a certain look. And there's a saying in the film industry that 90% of uh, directing is casting. Because if you cast the right person, your job as a director theoretically should be a lot easier because you're not going to have to give that actor too many notes. Um, and I believe that because I've seen it in my in my career. When you cast the right person, it takes a massive stress off because they understand the character. And you, as the director, don't have to constantly keep um, providing notes to get them where you need them to be in the scene. Um, so that's that's kind of my casting process and philosophy. Um, and I would say, yeah, generally, uh, I'm looking for myself and my, my producing partner. We're looking for people who have training and experience and a, a resume, um, but not always. If it's a really specific part that you fill, um, then great. Well, that that uh, that's all you need. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know for the audience. Absolutely. Have you ever had to handle a difficult conflict in your career? Directing or screenwriting? Um, yes, uh, I think it's. I will say to to preface this, I have been extremely fortunate in my career. I um, the first few projects I made in LA, I I just found just the most wonderful collaborators, really really creative people and talented people, and I was fortunate to be able to continue building that network. Um, and and for a very long time, I really had almost no um, I had no hiccups in the road, so to speak. Um, but I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll kind of answer that question by saying, for me, um, the the biggest bump was was not a, a, a difficult conflict on set necessarily, but uh, kind of a lack of progress. Um, I had a, a spell earlier in my career where I made a number of short films, and then I made a pilot called Served, um, which is uh, getting released today, actually, um, online on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Um, and then I went to make uh, my first uh, feature film. It's called Elephants, um, and I wrote and directed that. And so I had I had a little bit of momentum, and um, and then just things stopped. Um, and I thought I'd be going on to make my next feature film right away, and it didn't happen. Uh, you know, there were a lot of doors that got closed, and I kind of was looking around and saying, "Okay, I've done." You know, I thought I've checked all these boxes, and I started climbing this ladder, and shouldn't I be at this next stage? Um, and so it was extremely frustrating and, and difficult because, you know, as a creative, when you think you have some sort of momentum and then everything just kind of halts, you know, grinds to a halt, that can massively impact not just your, um, your career, but also your creative energy and your creative, you know, your inspiration to sit, sit down and actually write. And so there were, you know, a couple of years there where I had to, you know, kind of look at what I was doing and what I was creating and, um, and kind of change trajectory a little bit and, and start looking at uh, some different material and start putting a little bit more work into the business side of all of this rather than just the creative. And once I did that, things started moving again. But for me, um, that situation, navigating that, um, 
that kind of that hiccup in my my career, I, I think, was probably the biggest conflict overall. And it wasn't necessarily a, a personnel conflict um, or a or a single film conflict. Of course, I've had plenty of those, um, but it was it was definitely kind of a, a larger big picture conflict for sure. So you really have to be like very creative thinking when it comes to writing, if if I assume. So you can't just stay with like liking comedy. You have to be be like universal. You think? Well, that's a tough question, but I, I will say this: I think there are a lot of people in the film industry, film and TV industry, that would prefer if you stayed in a single lane. Um, you talk to managers or agents um, or or kind of executives, um, the people that are, are buying scripts and, and kind of green lighting movies and, and TV shows, they would all prefer if you did the same thing again and again and again. Um, oh. But the reality is that's not most people. Um, you know, people have constantly tried to put my work into a box. However, if you look at what I've done, you know, I have a romantic dramedy. I have a, a post-apocalyptic thriller, right? They about as different, different as you can, you can make them. And, uh, that's because I'm interested in, in everything. You know, I, uh, I watch everything. I try to consume as much as I can. And I personally think that the best auteurs and the best creators out there, um, they do that. They, they don't just say, Oh, I'm going to sit down and watch every single rom-com and that's all I'm going to do. Um, mm-hmm. they, they watch a bit of everything. And I think that's what is the special sauce for me personally. That's the most, you know, I'm, I'm most interested in following the creatives who aren't afraid to take a leap. You know, I love the Coen brothers, for example, and the Coen brothers, if you look at their, um, their, their oeuvre, their list of films they've made, um, it's all over the place. And I love that. I love that they're not afraid to, to take a, a swing and say, uh, you know, maybe let's do a Western. Okay. Now let's do a, a broad comedy. Um, and so I think there are a lot of people that prefer that you don't do that, but, um, but I am, you know, I'm, I'm a risk taker. I, I, kind of throw caution to the wind there and say, hey, let's give it a shot. Um, and I think that you kind of have to decide what type of writer you are, because there's nothing wrong with writing the same type of film again and again. And you might be a master of that specific you know, genre, um, but, uh, but I don't think people should be afraid to, to branch out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So tell me about the diversity showcase on the, on the NBC. So I have a wonderful and extremely talented friend named Casey Rogers, and um, and she's she's doing fantastic right now. She, uh, she was on Curb Your Enthusiasm and um, Home Ec um, and a number of other shows. Um, and yeah, a few years back, she was up for um, the NBC. I don't know if they're still doing it now, but at the time, they um, had a diversity showcase where essentially they would um, uh, accept actors of, uh, of from all sorts of diverse walks of life um, and then tr- essentially try to place them on shows or give them opportunities that they might not have had um, in terms of getting into the casting room. And so Casey was up for um, up for that and um, and I collaborated with her to just make a fun little short um, that was part of her, her application process and uh, we had a lot of fun at the time. It was basically a spoof of The Voice. Um, uh, and yeah, if, if people want to check it out, you can go to my website, alexano.com and give it a look. Yeah, how exciting. Absolutely. You also have the Welsh family comedy 
a sanctuary for water bowls placed and was in the finalists. Tell me about that. You're such a uh, yeah, you're so a with a lot of accolades. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this is um, this is a really special script. Um, so I have a producing partner, uh, as you mentioned, Luca Malacrino. Um, our production banner is called The Chameleon Effect, and um, we worked on Elephants together, and um, we collaborated and co-wrote, um, co-created a social contract. Um, and this film, Sanctuary for Water Bowls, is kind of our next big push, um, our next big feature film that we're looking to get off the ground. Um, Luca is Welsh. He's from Wales in the UK, and it's been a, a kind of dream of his, a life goal to um, make a film on home soil back in Wales, and specifically to make a project that Americans um, will be able to watch and enjoy and learn a little bit about Wales um, by doing so. Most folks in the US do not understand that Wales is its own country, um, which it is. It is a part of the United Kingdom and it is a part of the island of uh, Great Britain but um, it is its own country. And it's a really special, unique, small little place that has a really rich culture. And we've never seen it on screen. Um, there are a couple of movies set in Wales, but nothing that really champions what it means to be Welsh. And so we collaborated um, over the last couple of years to produce this script, um, Sanctuary for Water Bowls. And, um, and it's gotten fantastic responses across the board, which we're really, really excited about. Um, and at the moment, we're, we're pushing forward in Wales um, and have been starting to attach some cast members. And we have an executive producer on. Um, his name is Mike Young. Um, he's part of Splash Entertainment, um, which is a production company based in L.A. And, um, yeah, we're, we're excited to, to hopefully get this off the ground in the next few years. Um, and it's a, just a wonderful, um, you know, dramedy that revolves around an extremely dysfunctional family um, that's trying to kind of find itself again and come back together and, um, we kind of, our shorthand for it is the Welsh Little Miss Sunshine um, for fans of that movie out there. Wow. So do you, you travel a lot and go to different countries and um, start making films and writing and things? Um, yeah. So in terms of filming, um, you know, because, most, like I said, most of my stuff has been independent film, um, I haven't had the opportunity to film overseas yet, but I do travel a lot. Um, and I, and I'm just such a big proponent of it. Uh, it's obviously expensive and it's, you know, coordinating it can be difficult. Um, but I think any creative that doesn't travel is doing themselves a disservice because when you're exposed to a different mindset, a different um, POV that you are not uh, used to when you're in your circle of influence, you learn things and you see things differently and you're able to bring a, a perspective to your work that you wouldn't otherwise. Um, so I try to travel as much as I can. My wife and I are, are, are big travelers. Um, our vacations are, are always outside of town. Um, and yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's inspiration. It, you know, I'll, I'll have experiences and meet people that I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think, you know, I'll jot things down and I'll say, you know what, this experience, this interaction, this is going to be great in a script down the road. I might not know where it's going to go yet, but I, I certainly, um, I certainly clock it and, and, uh, and use it for food for thought for something down the road. Yeah, I do agree because that's what I like to do too. I like to travel as well. I'm so excited for 2023 for myself because of what I do. And also besides helping people, I also look at it as a training cause for myself because when you mm -hmm. visit countries and you 
network and get to know different people. You also are being taught as well. So it, it makes oh, it yeah. very interesting. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I'm we're we're totally in sync on that. Yeah. So I'm I'm just really looking forward to visiting a lot because I haven't really well, yeah, I haven't really traveled. So certain countries like I haven't been to Great Britain or London. I'm looking forward to going there. And also I'm gonna be going to the Philippines and I've been to China four times. Such a beautiful country. It is. I mean, you know, he, out here in California where they, you know, spit on the ground and got bubble gum on the ground <laughs> and all that. Mm, mm. Nothing like that in, in China. Not that what I have seen. The streets are so, so clean. The sidewalk is like you'd be scared to even think about spitting because it it's so clean. It's like I don't know what they're cleaning it with, but. It was really, really exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah, to get to know the culture and, and everything. So I was excited about that. And also, I went to Quebec as well. And that was exciting. Uh, I was talking so much. And I think I was, that was my first time. And here I am, 20 years old and in Quebec. And when I landed, I went uh, straight to the hotel, but I went to have me a drink first. And it was just the language I think I was just overwhelmed with. So I didn't even know that I stayed there for nine hours. We, I was just chatting and everything. And the time just went by. I was late for my meeting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I love I love Quebec. It's a it's a wonderful place. It's a, I, I think it's kind of the closest you can get to Europe without having to fly overseas. Yeah, it is. So what outcome matters to you when you direct or write a film? What outcome? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Um, you know, there's a, there's a saying in, in film that, uh, when you write a film, you know, when you write a screenplay, that's, that's one version of the film. And then when you direct it, that's another version. And when you edit it, that's another version. And then when it gets released and people start to absorb it, they're going to make their own version of it. They're going to critique it and they're going to take things from it that you either intended or didn't intend. All I can do when I'm directing something, whether it's something I've written or something I haven't written, is try to serve the story and is try to um, bring to life in the, the most authentic and hopefully accurate way what the writer, whether it's myself or someone else, intended. Um, and, and that's, that's the outcome I hope for. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's better. Sometimes you realize when you're directing something, actually, you know, we need to change this or this because it doesn't make sense on screen. And, or, you know what, this actor is bringing something totally different to the role and it's wonderful. And let's follow that. Let's, let's we'll not kind of box ourselves in. Um, so that certainly happens, uh, plenty of the time. And then there are other instances when, you know, you hope that the outcome is going to be that. And it goes in a different direction. And then you, you kind of have to say, okay, the movie's not going to be what we thought it was. How do we do something different? How do we make something out of this that still, um, speaks to, you know, our, our overall goal or theme? Um, but maybe isn't exactly in line with that original vision. And I think that's the, the fun and the stress of directing is 
knowing that every day is different and every day is a challenge and every day could, you know, end up, um, you know, an incredible mystery or success and, and possibly a failure. But, you know, you show up the day after that and you, you keep swinging the bat. Um, so that's that's all I can hope for in terms of outcome. Uh, but film is extremely collaborative. And even when you're the director and you're the one pulling, you know, kind of the string, so to speak, you're depending on an entire cast and crew to show up and do their best and to be in complete agreement with what that vision is, right? So that you kind of need everybody to be working on the exact same page at the same speed with the same passion for that outcome to, to really come to life. And, and you hope that, you know, a lot of directing is preparation. You hope that in casting and, and hiring your crew, staffing up, um, that you're going to, you're going to get that outcome. But again, it's um, we're talking about dealing with you know the human condition, and uh, and that's kind of the special sauce that that you never exactly know what you're going to get, and and that's why film is so exciting. Yeah, I bet. So, have you ever been under like stress? You know, like when you something like not meeting your deadline or not having a particular- yeah, I. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of deadlines, I I personally don't have too many issues with the writing side of things. Um, I have been doing this for a while, and and I um I treat it like work, so it's it, I I I don't tend to have too many issues with deadlines. However, um, when you're on set, every night is a deadline, right? The end of the day is a deadline. You need to get X amount of material filmed before we hit you know ten or twelve hours, whatever it is. Um, and so it's, it's a constantly a battle. It's constantly a marathon to try to get material and not just, you know, not just getting the shot, but getting the best version of that shot. And, and so it's, it's like mental gymnastics every day on set, kind of saying to yourself, okay, do we have what we need? Do we have the best version? Can we move on to the next shot? Or do we need to somehow, um, cut some, some shots from our, our schedule? Uh, to be able to make sure that we're getting quality. Because at the end of the day, if you just have a film, nobody cares, right? And and they shouldn't because there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of content out there. So you need to put your best foot forward always. Um, and that might mean sacrificing a little quantity to make sure you're getting quality. Um, and and so it's it's like this this constant math problem of saying, okay, how do we ensure that we have a film and at the same time make sure it's good um, because I'm just, I'm a believer that just having a film is, is not enough nowadays. You know, it's, it's just a lot out there and it's, it's got to say something. You have to, you know, you have to have a voice. You've got to have a vision. Um, I, I certainly don't want to watch stuff that doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. tell me a little bit more about the comedy side of things. So when you write a comedy, you, what are, what are you writing more like? for it to be funny or dramatic funny so uh i'm i'm certainly everything i write is i like to say that it has a bit of dramedy in it um both drama and comedy and the reason being is that i think the line has blurred in recent years in the last 10 to 15 years um a sitcom is not just a sitcom and a drama is not just a drama you can watch uh like better call Saul is a great example that is a absolutely perfect show and it's yeah. a drama, but there are moments that you just want to crack up and because it's absurd, right? 
Um, mm. And then you can look at a, a sitcom. I mean, look at The Office, for example. Hilarious show. But right. there's such human drama in there, right? So <laughs> I, I don't subscribe to the idea that it has to be one or the other. Now, there are absolutely comedic writers out there. And if you're in a comedy TV room, uh, which I have not been, you're constantly thinking of jokes, right? Like you're, you're, you're constantly trying to ensure that your material is funny. Um, which is why comedy is the hardest type of writing because you have to make sure that the story is good and the characters are rich and authentic and that you're telling a, a drama. You have to have stakes and conflict, right? But it also has to be funny. So you're doing what a drama writer's doing, but finding room for jokes and oftentimes doing it in half the time. So it's, it's the most difficult thing in the world. Um, for me as a writer, I, I don't write kind of straight up comedies. It's not generally what I do. As I mentioned, I kind of blend things. Um, but I'm, I'm just doing the exact same thing I do when I'm writing a drama. I'm trying to make a really great story. And I tend to find that, um, that some of the jokes will, will come from that because you're observing the human condition or, or a situation or a scenario in the world that people can relate to and you're commenting on it. And just doing that sometimes and pointing something out, like Jerry Seinfeld comedy, right? You know, he, all he did was he was looking at things in the world and saying, Hey, nobody brought this up, but we all have experienced this really random moment. Um, I think just doing that sometimes is enough. Um, so, you know, that's my perspective of comedy, but you might hear something different if you were to talk to a, a straight up comedy writer. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that's good feedback though. So when you're writing, do you have someone? that you, um, you know, help you come up with some of the um, screenwriting that you do for the film? Or do you just think of everything um, yourself? No, I, so I, I, you know, again, film is extremely collaborative and there are certainly a lot of writers out there who they write solo. Um, and so that, you know, that means that they come up with their story and then they write their screenplay by themselves. It's too, Two, that's the two halves of uh, screenwriting is story and then script. Um, right. I certainly have plenty of projects that I do all by myself, but I love collaborating with people. And so there's a lot of projects out there that I will um, I will collaborate with with another creative, whether it's an actor or a producer or a fellow writer, and work on the story. And then I'll go away and, and write the script um, myself based on kind of what we've created, the idea we've, we've generated. Um, and then I certainly have projects that I've completely co-written with folks. Um, and, and that can be great too. It's, you know, it's tough. Um, the, the writing process is extremely personal and writing styles can vary dramatically. So it can be tough to kind of find, uh, that, that relationship and find one that really works. Um, but I'm very fortunate that I've had a number of those in my career. Um, and I look forward to, to continue working with other folks. Yeah, that is true. BBSradio.com Welcome back to BBS Radio, All Roads Lead 65 Max. I am Pamela L. Henderson. I am the host for the show, and I have my special guest, Alex Hanno, who has joined me. We are discussing about film and writing. So you still with me there, Alex? 
I am indeed, yeah. All right. So I have some other juicy questions for you. So tell me about the Telltale Heart that reached number one on the blacklist. That was exciting. Yeah, so that's um, it's a it's a horror script inspired by um, Edgar Allan Poe's kind of classic tale, um, The Telltale Heart, um, and it's a it's a fun twist on it. Um, I, you know, I love I love gothic horror, and I love most of his work. Um, so I compiled a bunch of different Poe stories and uh, kind of made a um, an anthology of or not an anthology, but an amalgamation of all these stories and streamlined them into one um, with uh, a telltale heart being kind of the centerpiece of it all. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, I like to think of it as a fresh twist on a really classic uh, tale. Um, and I was fortunate when I kind of put it out into the world, there's a, there's a website called the blacklist um, in, in LA and Hollywood. Um, and um, it got quite a bit of attention and traction there and, you know, it's one of those projects that I hope at some point will uh, will take flight and, and get off the ground and get made. Now, Alex, are we talking about the blacklist that I'll be watching that's on Netflix? No, different blacklist, but uh, okay. but uh, <laughs> I, I have, uh, a couple of, cu- couple of friends on that show. But that's a um, different project. This this is a um, essentially an online site where writers um, post their material. And oh. they get it gets uh, kind of reviewed and and uh, read by peers within the industry, and then if it gets enough traction, um, kind of different industry level folks, whether it's producers or managers or agents, um, can then kind of look at it and say, oh, you know, this script is doing really well. I want to I want to give that a read. Um, so uh, you know, yes, no. different different name though. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm like, look at you. All righty then. So. Yeah. Alex, such as myself, I am also a woman who wears a lot, a few hats. Who do you look up to for inspiration, and do you have a mentor? You know, this is a it's an interesting question. Um, and I, throughout my entire career, I have always wanted a mentor. Um, I always hoped that I would connect with somebody and, and find somebody. Um, but I never really had a, a mentor in the traditional sense. I never had somebody that had, you know, was a few rungs above me and was able to kind of look down and say, Hey, I've been where you are. Let me give you some advice. Right. Um, now, you know, that kind of was a, was a sore spot for me for a long time. Um, because I looked around and I saw people that had those experiences and those relationships and, and I think they're transformative and they're really special. Um, but I didn't have that. And so I, it was a sore spot for a long time. And then I realized, at, you know, everything I was doing, I was, I was diving in and I was having to learn kind of on the job, so to speak, whether that was via directing or screenwriting or producing, whatever it was. Um, and, and now looking back, I'm able to see that I had dozens of mentors, um, whether that was peers that, you know, I was collaborating with or, you know, somebody that was willing to, to give me some notes on the script or look at an edit of a film. It just, it was never that one person. Um, but I ha- I've been surrounded by a community of people that, um, you know, has had a little, little nuggets of, of inspiration or, or, or kind of knowledge here and there that they've been able to share. Um, so for me, that's the way that I have looked at mentorship and saying that I've, you know, been fortunate to surround myself with really talented people who love what they do. 
Um, but I, it, you know, I realize that there are lots of folks out there that, that do have that relationship. And so I, I really love giving back. I love, you know, if, if anybody in my network wants notes on a script, I'm the first person to give it a read and say, Hey, this is what I think you can do to make it better. Um, and I have this year, in fact, I've been able to talk to a lot of young filmmakers who are kind of fresh out of school. Um, and, and kind of just share stories like this and, and share my experience and say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not at the top of the food chain, but I know where you've been. I know where you are. And, uh, and let me try to give you a couple of pointers to see if maybe you can avoid some of the mistakes that I made. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I love it. And, uh, hopefully I can, you know, continue to mentor people in different ways. Yeah, that is true. You're, you're right about that. When we are networking and collaborating, you know, that, that person may have certain, you know, expertise that they're really sharing with. So we're always, you know, receiving. So I do agree with that as well. Because no matter what I do on my end of teaching my girls certain, um, conversations that we get off into, it is, when we collaborate, it's so interesting to know about, you know, how creative they are and they bring something to the table. So it always makes, hmm, okay, I can see that. <laughs> so that's mm, great. Yeah. <laughs> so that is great. What opportunities are you seeing that has been rewarding in your opinion on your journey? Um, opportunities that have been the, the most rewarding? Yeah, the most rewarding. Absolutely. You know, I, I this is a bit of a cop-out answer, but I'm going to say all of them. Um, and the reality is I, I truly believe, and I can only speak to film, right? I can't speak to other, other industries, but um, in what I do, doing anything can lead to uh, a win or a success. And that could mean going to a networking event. That could mean attending a film festival. That could mean, you know, helping your buddy out to go film a short film with no budget. Um, that could mean, you know, spending 200 hours writing a script and, and you know, emailing it to a, a screenwriting competition and hoping that something happens. All of those things are worth doing. Um, you know, I, I certainly, there are lessons I've learned and there are things that I probably wouldn't do again. Um, but every single one of these experiences has, has in, in many ways been rewarding and, and led to another experience down the road. Um, you know, in terms of personally gratifying, uh, when I, I wrote and directed a, a film called Elephants and, um, and we had a couple of screenings. We had a, a wonderful screening at the Arclight in Los Angeles, um, which hopefully will open again someday. Um, and we got to have a screening in Luca's uh, hometown in Cardiff in Wales and, and for me, those two experiences were, were extremely rewarding and gratifying because it was my first feature film that I was seeing on screen and, and getting to share it with the world. Um, and so that was wonderful, you know, and since then I've been fortunate to have a number of um, different projects that have screened all over the country. So, um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, I think you're always looking for what's next. Um, which is good because it keeps you hungry. It keeps you, you, you know, working at it. Um, but I, it is good to, to stop and kind of smell the roses here and there and say, oh, well, this is a really special moment. Um, yeah, and, and that one probably thus far was, was the biggest one for me. Right. You are currently in the process of re-watching 
every film in the Marvel, in the universe, I should say, to ensure that your uh, rankings are accurate and up to date. What is important to you by completing this type of research? Well, I don't know if I call it research, but uh, I, uh, I'm a huge Marvel fan. I love Marvel movies, um, and and in many ways, I think they were part of the inspiration for me to become a filmmaker, which is uh, ironic because I don't make superhero movies, um, but I would love to someday. Um, but uh, it's twofold. I love the movies, but also my wife had not seen all the Marvel movies, so I said, you know, I got to educate you. Uh, I got to make sure that you know what's important to me. And she's an absolute trooper. So we watched uh, every single one over pandemic. And um, and then her uh, her beloved parents, my in-laws, uh, they got inspired to watch all of them. And they're almost caught up. So, uh, you know, it's now become a, a, fam- a family challenge here. Right. <laughs> That's exciting. That's funny. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah. And I know I have asked you this question, but I'm going to ask you again anyway. What do you like most about your work? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's always tough when you when you kind of like turn the mirror on yourself like that. Um, you know, I, I, I think I'll try to maybe answer it differently than, than before, but um, I want to watch something that that I don't think when I watch it. And that doesn't mean that I want to watch something that's that's um, kind of like popcorn entertainment. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think you could argue that a lot of Marvel movies are that, um, although not all of them. Um, but I want to watch something that sucks me in and captivates me. And I, I hope with my material um, I get to do that. Uh, it's not going to always happen, but that is that is my goal. And um, and most of the things that I've made, I, I still, I, I'm, you know, I, I laugh and, and kind of joke about it, but I think I'm my biggest fan. Like, I love the, the work that I've done. I, I watch it and I, I'm, you know, I'll point to it when I'm sitting with my wife and say, Oh, did you see that scene right there? And she's like, Yes, honey, I, I know we've seen this before. Um, <laughs> but I, I think you kind of need to be a little bit of a narcissist to succeed in, in film and entertainment. Um, because there's just so many people that are willing to tell you no and willing to tell you how, how bad your work is. Uh, that you need to be a big fan of it. And, and the reality is I, I'm for most of my stuff, I'm able to sit down and watch it and either laugh or, you know, or tear up or, uh, or just kind of turn my brain off. And, and that's special. I think when you can find and make something that doesn't make you, you know, that you're not like hyper analyzing it or necessarily critiquing it. Um, you know, I want people to watch my stuff and to think about it. I want it to affect them in some way. I want them to feel something. Um, but I don't want them to be doing that while they're watching it, right? I want them to focus on the movie and hopefully enjoy it. And, and then after the fact, walk away and say, oh, my God, that thing they meant that. And, um, and you know, I, I, this character actually, it was, it was symbolic and it stood for, you know, X, Y, and Z, whatever it might be. Um, and, yeah, so that's a, a roundabout answer. I don't know if it completely answers your question, but. You did. You did. Thank you so much. Have any of your... Um um, screenwritings or films you directed is on Netflix. Nothing on Netflix yet, but uh, you know they they have my numbers, so. Right. Yeah. So where can you see some of your films, like on YouTube? 
so uh, my feature film, Elephants, um, you can watch that on Amazon um, it's, uh, via Amazon on Freebie. Um, it's also available on Vudu and Apple and all pretty much anywhere online. Um, if you go to my website, alexhano.com or chameleon-effect.com, either one, um, you can find links to find Elephants. Um, in terms of some of the short films that I've done, uh, that I've done, all of that can be found via my website, again, alexhano.com. Um, and today we're dropping and releasing uh, the television pilot Serve that I shot um, a few years ago. Uh, I encourage people to give it a watch. It's all about the restaurant industry, um, kind of uh, showcases what it means to actually be part of a restaurant family in a really, really authentic way. Um, so that'll be dropping on YouTube today at 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and you can find that served the series on YouTube. Um, and yeah, and there'll be more, more content to come in the next year. Or so we have a couple of short films that'll be coming out. And, um, and then as mentioned, the social contract, which filmed earlier this year. Um, and looking forward to seeing that at some point. Yeah, but I'm going to have you to elaborate a little bit more about the restaurant film that's out. So tell me a little bit more about that because I teach customer service. So I'm really going to take a look at that. That seems very, very interesting. So what can I learn from that film or to be able to take in and bring back to my foundation? Um, you know, it's uh, I don't necessarily try to teach people with anything that I make. Um, I, I think sometimes I use the word educate and, and that can be good. Um, or, you know, I, I don't ever want to have something come out as a PSA, right? I'm, uh, it's not my, my brand. Um, and I'm not a documentary filmmaker either. Um, although there's, there's su such importance there. Um, and the, the work that documentarians do is, is super vital. But with my stuff, I, as I said, I want to create, um, a story that I think is authentic and reflects uh, an experience. Um, and with Serve, that's exactly what my team did. Um, we most, pretty much everybody in the cast and crew had worked in the restaurant industry. And, um, and I wanted to tell a story that reflected what that felt like. And so we made a pilot called Served. And the goal for us is for this to expand and evolve into um, a full TV show. Um, we have an absolutely fantastic cast and had a wonderful director, Derek Cruz, who is a longtime friend of mine I grew up with in, on the East Coast in Massachusetts. Um, and kind of everybody was super in line with this vision. And at, when folks watch it, they'll see that our goal as filmmakers was um, to basically hopefully transport the audience so that they feel like they are working in a restaurant as well. Um, and there's, you know, over 15 million people actively working in the restaurant industry today, many of those undocumented. Um, and there are millions and millions more who have worked in the restaurant industry in the past. And they'd never really seen their experience on screen before. There's, there's not a lot of content out there about that, um, that industry, you know, we've seen a thousand cop shows, a thousand hospital shows, a thousand, um, you know, high school shows. Um, but how many have we seen revolving around restaurants? And wow. so that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to reflect that experience. So when people get home from work, they can turn this on and say, Oh man, these guys know exactly what it's like. Um, and there's a catharsis there, I think, in, in being able to watch that and being able to, to kind of, um, uh, to, to know that there are people out there that share that same experience as you. Um, and it's an incredibly diverse cast. We really wanted to try to capture the, the authentic nature of LA in general. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's, it's just a ton of fun. So I hope that people watch it. I hope they relate to it. And um, and I hope they want more. And I hope they tell us that they want more because that's the most important thing. Yeah, that is true. And remember this, Alex, everything that we make or do, it's it's something that can educate someone, something that uh, anyone that's teaching any type of subject or training and developing, developing, we can always like visit that restaurant film that you're talking about that you guys are making and we can utilize that and we can role play out of that actually. So that is why I had asked that question. It's always something that you can learn from watching any movie or even anything that you do. It's, you know, it's all part of education. Mm, so, Alex, yeah, Alex, is there anything else you would like to share about what's next before we hang up? Um, well, no, as I, as I mentioned, uh, serves we're dropping tonight, so that'll be released. So hopefully everybody can give that a watch. Um, and beyond that, um, I would just say to folks, you know, if you're, you're interested in, in anything that I've talked about, feel free to shoot me an email. You can find my email, um, through my website. Um, I'm happy to connect with people and, and chat. Um, if you're LA based, um, even more so, um, it's much easier to connect, uh, if that's the case. Uh, and keep a lookout for, for more films to come. And there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon with, with myself um, and, and some of my teammates and my collaborators. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye. But uh, give, give Serve to Watch, uh, Serve the Series via YouTube. Give it a Google and uh, enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And can you tell us your website again and how we can reach you on social media if that's possible? Absolutely. Um, so my website, www.alexhanno.com. That's H-A-N-N-O. Uh, you can also check out my company's website. That's www.chameleon-effect.com. Um, and uh, so those are the best two kind of areas to, to give a look if you want to see more. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Alexander Hanno. Um, you know, give me a follow, shoot me a message, happy to connect. Um, and, uh, email wise, you can shoot me an email, alexanderhano at gmail.com, uh, or alex at chameleon-effect.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Alex, it has been a pleasure having you on my show, and I do look forward to chatting further in the future with you. Thank you again, and good luck on your endeavors. Well, listeners. Thank you I so much, Pamela. You're so welcome. It was a pleasure. I have reached my destination. I am a award-winning author of the new book, A Journey of a Sapphire. I hope to inspire others who are on their journey towards success to never give up on your dreams and how to recognize behavioral problems. Please visit journeyofasapphire.com to purchase a copy of my book, also available on Amazon.com, Kindle Fire. And as always, I leave you with this quote and do have a wonderful blessed day. The most beautiful things are those that madness prompts and reason writes. Andre Gid. Thank you and have a beautiful day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. 
Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in. 